Hey, welcome to episode 45 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Stephen Stiles, and yes, we are back again with another edition already. So let's talk Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, how can you not? Apparently, after not making it as far into the playoffs as they thought they should have, and apparently an emotional end-of-the-year press conference, which must not have gone over well with other Toronto management members and things like that, apparently it is a time for change in a big way. Carl Dubas, out. I really got to think that the entire coaching staff, out. You might even see this trickle down to the Toronto Marlboros in the AHL. There seems like there might be some big changes, big plans, time to go in a different direction type concept. I'll be curious to see if the ownership group holds on to Brendan Shanahan as the president. I don't know why they wouldn't, but maybe 10 years is enough as president, not enough has happened, and who knows, maybe he's out as well. To be seen for sure. But with Dubas out, where does Toronto go general manager-wise? Where do the Leafs go with the organization at a time when so many changes are happening from traditional ways of either hiring people or the traditional type of person that's being looked for? So could this be an opportunity for a real shakeup? First time in the NHL, Toronto seems to be one of those kind of organizations that likes to be a cutting edge organization, if you will. So could the Leafs actually pluck Cami Granado from the Vancouver Canucks organization. I mean, what a time to be able to do that that would draw massive amounts of attention. All positive, especially in today's world because that is really hot topics as far as everybody getting an equal opportunity and things like that. Cami Granado has certainly proven herself as a hockey person, has won all kinds of things in women's hockey, awards on the team, in the league itself, in the Olympics. I mean, there's just nothing to question there at all, period. So that could be a really interesting scenario. The odds of it happening are purely, I think, based on does Toronto have the belief now that with the talent that they have, that they need a veteran, heavily experienced general manager who's already been it, maybe George McPhee would be an option. Um, that, that could certainly be one possibility. Maybe Jason Bottarelli. So where do they go? Which direction do they go? Do they go a person that's already done the job and a really good job at what they've done? Do they... I think the term going off the charts or just going off the board doesn't really apply to Cammy Granado. She's been a hockey person for so long, and she does have executive administrative experience. She's been involved with organizations in administrative positions, so it's not like she's coming in cold stone. So that would be really interesting. And she would probably be one of the few women that would be looked at appropriately by the players. And when I say looked at appropriately, I mean respected. None of the players can go, oh, well, they just did this for a publicity stunt. They did this for political reasons. No, she's a real hockey person. She is very knowledgeable and has been in many many different positions serving in many many different capacities throughout her career that question doesn't really exist for her and and if it did it would have to go down in history as one of the greatest far reaches it's like well you know we're not sure i mean what else does she have to prove i mean she honestly has the opportunity in front of her based on everything she's already done now of course part of this conversation has to be the core four as they're being called what do you do with them does a veteran gm come in and just lay down the law and say hey look 
You guys are being paid to do your job. You guys are being paid as elite players. Act like it. Is that an option? I don't know. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it's not. Does somebody like Cammy Granado come in and show absolute professionalism as she has done every step of her career and has all the accomplishments that she has? Does that affect the players to produce more like, oh crap, we've got somebody that's already won Olympics and several other awards throughout her career. Now we got to perform and bring ourselves up to that level. Is that the attitude? That's a really good question. Because what do you do with that core four? Do you trade Austin Matthews? You could. And some people would say, oh my God, that's insane. You're nuts. Well, is it? I mean, yes, he out of the core four right now holds the majority of the leverage in his situation. But could there be a one-time opportunity to one other team in the league that is looking for an unbelievable brand recognition, direction, something to add some sort of stability to its organization? And of course, we're talking about the Arizona Coyotes. He's from Scottsdale. Would that local presence be, along with his elite player status, any better of a brand possibility that they could purchase, acquire, or have in any other way? Just throwing it out there. Do you trade Mitch Marner? That's kind of like the going back to the Montreal scenario. You're trading a local at that point. That could be explosive. That could be, oh, okay, well, that's the one that lost. That's the one that we got rid of. I think Mitch Marner, and I've always said this, I think is the most valuable player on the team. Why he disappears in the playoffs, I think, is because it gets a lot more physical. Because a lot of the space is shut down. Is that a limitation in his game? I don't know. Does he need players that could open space up for him? Because Toronto has some of that, but not really that kind of team that can open up a lot of space for those players on a consistent basis. They have people on lines. They have different pairings. But do they have that consistently so that Mitch Marner's game can flourish? I don't know. And I'm not making excuses for him. We're just asking questions here. William Nylander. There's another question. What do you do with William Nylander? Is he's the closest to an expiration of a contract. He could be one of the cheaper ones to retain. So is his advantage cap management and the fact that he's one of the core four? Again, to be determined, certainly there'd be takers without question for William Nylander. I don't think there'd be any shortage of them. Probably jumping at the front of the line would be teams like New Jersey, Colorado, Vancouver. They have a European presence. He fits their styles and systems very well. Colorado, unfortunately, has... Some significant injuries to Gabriel Landeskog, who will be out all next year already. That's already known. Is he an answer to that? Again, just spitballing here. Okay. John Traveris. He's been a really good player. He's a team player. He's the captain of the team. He's great in the locker room, but he just has a killer, killer contract. Can you find somebody to unload that with and honestly is arizona the dance party or the dance partner with that because they're looking obviously to soak up contracts to some people could say remain uncompetitive and tank on purpose i wouldn't say that's necessarily the reason might factor in there somewhere along the way but arizona has been the team that other organizations have been able to seamlessly dump contracts onto for years now going all the way back to the Detroit Red Wings when Pavel Datsuk got dumped in their lap. I think he had five years at $25 million total, $5 million a year still left on his contract. So Arizona has more than shown they're willing to take on those kind of contracts. What would it cost Toronto? Would it cost them a first-round pick to do it? And that's the other thing. Toronto has been really, really active the last couple of years acquiring players and 
trading away draft capital. Now, if you're on the verge of doing something like Tampa Bay did for three or four years in a row, I can see a team doing that. But man, their cupboards are bare. Their cupboards are really, really bare. And if this doesn't work out, and think about it, you could have literally in the next three years, all those guys could be gone. You could have Nylander who just doesn't resign, walks away as a free agent. Mitch Marner's contract is up in two years. You could have Austin Matthews walk away if he wants to at the end of next year. So a lot of this talent that they're building around as bad as the cap situation is for them right now, they could end up with none of those players in three years. They could all move on on their own, or they could all be traded. That would be really, really interesting. And it sets up a really interesting next couple of years for the Maple Leaf organization. Rest assured, the agents of these players are going to play a very primary and influential role in all these decisions. The players are going to look at things that players normally look at. How competitive is the team? Is it worth my time? Is it coming together? Is it cohesive? Will this just be a one-year one-off is there something special to put together for multiple years but make no mistake i'll bet their agents will be in their ears to a microscopic level in this process and i think a lot of what toronto does as far as what type of coach that they have do the players want to play for him that's a big issue that's become a huge issue in the nhl even more so than traditionally there's always been occasional locker room issues and occasional coaches here and there being let go because of communication issues But man, in the last five years, that has become a major and regular happening issue as far as locker rooms being lost, locker rooms having conflict in them, and lots of changes are being made because of it. But the amazing thing, as much as Austin Matthews and people would say, oh my God, he's untouchable, not tradable, what if a trade was worked out where Toronto picks up Arizona's first round pick this year? And what if Mitchkoff slides to them. Yes, Austin Matthews is gone. Yes, Mishkoff won't be here for a couple of years, but is that a more balanced roster at that point? Good question. And obviously, Mitchkoff by himself isn't going to be enough. You're obviously going to probably pick up a future first-round pick from Arizona as well. And given how Arizona finishes every year, you're pretty much guaranteed that's a top 7, top 10 pick almost every year because they just continue to struggle, which is unfortunate. Uh, To watch that franchise flounder the way that it is is kind of horrific to watch. It's just been brutal. They have had moments. They have looked good at periods of time. But overall, man, they have just not put a season together of note that anybody, fan or anybody else, would want to remember of theirs. And speaking of Arizona, now that Tempe has voted down that referendum, what's their future hold? I mean, not only, like I just said, haven't they put a season together for anybody to remember or hold as a special memory, but they still can't figure out where their home is. It's been a long time. I know the NHL has had a long, long dream to see the success of that franchise, hockey in the desert, and it should make sense. I mean, look at the Vegas Golden Knights right off the bat, highly successful. Look at the Dallas Stars. They live in not so much a desert climate, but a hot climate and other teams have been successful why arizona hasn't and it's been strange not only hasn't the franchise been able to put a competitive team on the ice consistently but it's like the area just wants to like put them on a yo-yo and just dangle them constantly it's like yeah you can play here a couple years you can play here a couple years all right well we'll let you play here a couple years i mean where's the support from the city now that being said i do not agree with sports franchises holding cities or its residences hostage by going well if you don't pay for everything we're gonna walk then walk 
go because that is not the most important thing in any city. If you said to me which is more important, having a sports complex or a trauma center for medical care, trauma center wins hands down. Okay, let's be practical about this. But that being said, where do the Coyotes go from here after that $2.3 billion referendum got voted down? And of course, two cities have to rise to the top of the list almost immediately without even thought, one being Quebec in Canada, the other being Kansas City. Both cities have NHL ready-to-go arenas. Not only ready-to-go, which Arizona's never had, even the referendum that just got voted down was only going to seat 16,000 people. The arenas in Quebec and Kansas City seat 18,000 minimal. I don't understand on that referendum why it was such a small stadium. I mean, there should have been eighteen to 20,000 seats in it. If you're going to spend the money, don't you want to make the revenue and have the maximum amount of attendance? 16,000 is a small arena. That's like going back to the days of like the old Boston Gardens and the Buffalo Memorial Auditorium that had less seating than a lot of other rinks did, had a smaller rink than other arenas did. Now, some people could say that's a, a competitive edge. Some people can say that, hey, that's, you know, kind of a cozier environment. But let's be honest, you're to sell tickets and as many of them as you possibly can. So that made no sense to me at all that it was only able to seat 16,000. But back to Quebec and Kansas City. Advantages. The city of Quebec and that matter, the country of Canada, have the most rabid and passionate fans, bar none, which is incredible for any sport. They have that kind of just continuous rabid fan. And it almost doesn't even matter how much they win, although they have a high expectation to win all the time. They just love the game like nobody else. And it's not just a game there. It's always been, as some people locally there have said, a religion. And it's just that deeply ingrained in the country's fabric, if you will. They have an NHL-ready arena, so those are two major advantages. They have the fans in the arena. The rivalry, in my opinion, other than the Montreal Canadiens versus the Boston Bruins, which I believe is the best rivalry in pro sports of all leagues ever and remains that way. Boston's had good years and bad years. Montreal's had good years and bad years. But the best rivalry other than those two teams has to be the Montreal Canadiens and the Quebec Nordiques. And unlike the second team that's been being trying to be planned for, put into effect, or suggested in Ontario, south of Toronto, Jeff Molson, the owner of the Montreal Canadiens, has already said, hey, you want to put a team in Quebec? Put a team in Quebec. And how interesting would that rivalry be, as intense as it's been previously, if Patrick Waugh was made the general manager at a minimal, or the president, or both? Think of that rivalry with him as the GM, president or both, playing against the Canadians. Now, as a side note for a second, there's still some people that believe he should come back to and be in a position within the Montreal organization. I don't think he should. I think it was very honorable of the organization to retire his jersey number after the, his departure. Yes, I know that Trombley, in my opinion, and I agree with the people that say, Wah should have never been left in for nine goals. No idea why Trombley didn't pull him. It was an ego trip by both people. And Trombley was trying to prove a point, and in the process, he walked. I get that. So Trombley is not without fault here as well as the coach at the time. But the way Wah left and his belief, which was very clear, that he was bigger than the organization, and I know a lot of people are going to argue with this, he's not even in the top goaltenders in the Montreal Canadiens history. Two of the recent goaltenders that everybody wants to put in the best of Montreal's history is 
Patrick Waugh and Carey Price. I think they're both great goaltenders. That being said, I'll take Bill Durham, George Vezina, George Hainsley, Jacques Plante, Ken Dryden, over one or both of them any day of the week. But we're getting sidetracked. Kansas City, untested market since 1974, which was the last time they had an NHL team or a WHA team in the Kansas City Scouts, but they have a standing arena built, unoccupied, brand new, ready to go, and logistically from Arizona to relocating to Kansas City. Certainly, the argument is hands down there. That would be far easier than moving from Arizona to Quebec. Those two cities have to pop up right off the bat. I think Houston, Portland, cities like that have to remain long-term expansion because if you choose one of those, now you're back to they're not ready right now to accept the team and have them drop the puck and play. Now, another option that I loved that I heard is Salt Lake City. I think Salt Lake City would be a great spot for the Arizona Coyotes. Brand new market, never tested before, already has a strong ownership of Ryan Smith, who owns the Utah Jazz of the NBA, owns the Delta Arena that they play at. They could start tomorrow there. So you have ownership stability, you have new market, new fans, no retreads, if you will, that, you know, the NHL goes, well, we've already been there. You don't have that issue going for you, and they could start immediately. No waiting. So, honestly, Salt Lake City, Kansas City, and Quebec should be the top three vying candidates for that. All of them are deserving of it. But the reality is a permanent home and stability has to be found for that franchise and it has to start putting something together as an organization as a team you know we can talk about consistency from organizational ownership but the team has to start putting a consistent product on the ice i mean i get it they've made a lot of trades they're like we've already talked about they've been willing to take on expensive contracts of others to gather high draft capital but at some point in time it's got to start producing something so there's lots of things to think about and if anybody thought the offseason was going to be boring because wow it is going to be a very interesting offseason and it's not going to be so much of on ice it's going to be off ice issues there's a lot of things to talk about and the continuation of front offices and not just coaches continue to get flushed out it is just coming really really rapidly and consistently on that note i'm your host steven styles thanks for tuning into episode 45 and before you know it we will be back with episode 46 thanks again for tuning in